are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Hope everybody's having an absolutely fantastic Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us at 2 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Or if you're joining us on the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We want you to join into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Big news today coming out of the planes and all over the place. First being reported by AL.com today, it seemed that we saw that Derek Mason was reportedly going to be headed to the planes to be Auburn's defensive coordinator. And then not long after that, we really saw the talk that was happening all over Twitter and all over the place last night about Mike Bobo as well. Both of them not having been officially announced by Auburn, but both of them, it, it appears to be very close to closing deals to come to Auburn to fill in those major higher positions for Brian Harson, that being the OC and defensive coordinator positions. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater here with you on the line today. Levi, Derek Mason to Auburn. What do you think about the Tigers' potential new defensive coordinator? I really like the hire with Derek Mason because you're getting a culture guy like we've talked about that Harson really wants to bring in. He wants to bring in those guys that – really have that man's man mentality, that go-to-war mentality. And Derek Mason really brings that. And if you look back through the past seasons, the past few seasons at Vanderbilt, the defensive stats don't really back up as someone you'd want as your coordinator. But when you look at the years that he had talent, when he was at Stanford for two years, number one in the conference, number two in the conference in defensive rankings, when he first took the Vanderbilt job, after he got in there with the James Franklin recruits, he had a top 20, top 30 defense. So I think with the talent that he can bring into Auburn, he will do a great job with this defense for the Tigers on top of, I think it's a good culture fit for what Coach Harson is really trying to build here on the Plains. It's been a little while since Stanford had him as their defensive coordinator. It's been since 2013 that Derek Mason has been in that role as defensive coordinator. And the last time out, it was out there out west. And he's now joining a guy from that same portion of the country. And he's well-respected in the defensive community. I really like this hire a lot. And based on what we talked about on the show yesterday, talking about how Auburn doesn't need to fall in love with shiny things. Auburn doesn't need to be bamboozled by the big name. And I think this name carries some weight, but I don't think it's one of the hottest names in the coaching search or in the coaching carousel out there right now for assistance. And something that's really working at Auburn's benefit right now is that they got started on the head coaching search, whereas some teams might still, you know, now that they just got their head coaches, now Auburn is first to the table for assistance and beat everybody to that punch. And Derek Mason is a guy that I think was attractive to other teams. We saw Michigan was a name possibly that Derek Mason was being attracted to, South Carolina as well. And now Auburn's the one coming out with it. And so this is a good thing for Auburn. I don't think that this is like 
hiring someone like Kevin Sumlin on the offensive side of the ball or, or other guys that you mentioned yesterday that might have a punch for a name because of their history or some of the high-profile stops that they've been at. But I think this is just a guy who knows how to coach football well. And you look at what he did at Vanderbilt, and sure, people are going to be underwhelmed by what he did on defense and what he did on offense at Vanderbilt statistically. But keep in mind and put this in perspective, it is Vanderbilt. It's really hard to recruit at Vanderbilt and get a lot of talent. And I think that he had guys on the defensive side of the ball at Vanderbilt playing very hard for him. I think all the time, something you could say about Vanderbilt, even this year, is that his team played hard for him, especially on the defensive side of the football. Auburn's got great linebackers already on the roster, but he's always had good linebackers at Vanderbilt. I feel like that's what that defense was known for a lot of times was good linebackers and a solid front seven at that. Of course, with what you've got to recruit at Vanderbilt, that's hard to put together a whole unit like that that people know you're going to get a tough fight out of that group when you're playing them. And Vanderbilt, for a little while, in the, in the smack dab in the middle of his tenure at Vanderbilt, when they were you know winning six games, he had two years where he had won about six games. He took them to two bowl appearances. I think when you look at those years Vanderbilt was not a team that I wanted to play no I mean it was a team that you expected to beat but you knew you were going to get a fight and they could very easily pull an upset on anybody probably not named Alabama in the SEC at the time they just really would go out there they'd give a fight again he's a leader he's one of those guys that is going to get the most out of his players he's going to get just he's going to make people play above what they are. Just imagine that coupled with the talent that he can get at Auburn. The big question for me about Derek Mason, and there's no, there's no track record for this, is the recruiting side of things. And I feel like this is more of a coaching hire rather than a recruiter hire. I feel like they brought in Derek Mason. When you're talking about the philosophy of what Auburn's trying to bring in, on their staff a lot of people talk about well they need to bring in guys that are familiar with the southeast when it comes for from a recruiting standpoint Vanderbilt's not recruiting the same kind of guys that other teams in this league are recruiting but he's still going to be familiar with the landscape so it's not like you're bringing in somebody who has no idea what's going on in the area from a recruiting standpoint he's going to know all the schools he's going to know the coaches so he's at least got that in road there but I don't think you hire a guy like Derek Mason because you're trying to bring in this out of this out of this world recruiter I think you hire a guy like Derek Mason because he's going to bring fundamentals to your defense a hard-nosed mentality and those guys are going to play hard and they're always going to be motivated and after this year I think you could make the argument that this Auburn defense needs a swift kick to the tail yeah they definitely need a bit of a change and a just a culture shock they need a guy to come in and really challenge them like I assume Derek Mason will do, at least from that leadership perspective. And it's funny that you say that this is more of a coaching hire than a recruiting hire because on the opposite end, with the potential of that Mike Bobo hire, it feels like that's the the opposite. That feels to me more of a recruiting hire than a coaching hire when you really look at it that way. So it's kind of funny to see that it feels like they went in two different directions with their potential coordinator hires. Auburn still hasn't officially announced either of those hires yet. And I'm going to Wikipedia now, and, and guess what? Wikipedia has already got Mike Bobo and Derek Mason in those respective positions on Auburn staff. And so now let's talk about Mike Bobo a little bit here. And this is a hire that I think a lot of people aren't okay with, but I'm actually cool with it. 
I'm cool with this compared to what I think the perception is about Mike Bobo. I think a lot of people, and then we'll also talk about what Auburn's going to add on uh, on the offensive line as well with Will Friend. I believe that, I mean, it's spelt like friend. Somebody yeah. asked me today, is it, is it, is it friend? I, I, I'm pretty sure it's friend. It's spelt like friend. Um, Will Friend, a friend of Mike Bobo, coming in to be the offensive line coach at Auburn. I think when you, when you, we'll talk about Bobo first. I think a lot of people's issues with Bobo is what's happened recently. He gets fired from Colorado State, goes to South Carolina for one season. South Carolina's offense only averaging 23.5 points per game this year on the offensive side of the ball. Not overly impressive. Um, gets put into a position now where uh, he gets put into a position where he has to be the interim head coach at South Carolina. And obviously those guys looked like they quit on Bobo and the rest of the South Carolina Gamecocks with the way that they ended this year abysmal two and eight season but I'm strangely okay with Bobo coming here from more of a recruiting standpoint because you see what he brings in to South Carolina the one year he's there the number two overall dual threat quarterback in that 2021 class with Gunnar Stockton coming in that's huge to have him coming onto campus for South Carolina you hope maybe there could be a little bit of a switch possibly and maybe you know help help bring guys like that to Auburn now that he's coming here but so you know he's another guy that's familiar with the area from a recruiting standpoint as of 2014 Bobo's a respected coach in the Southeastern Conference when he's back at Georgia and something changed along the way at Colorado State and South Carolina but I don't think this is bad I think that this is a good thing from a recruiting standpoint and I still think he's a fine head coach you just have to look at the or not head coach I think he's a fine offensive coordinator you just have to look at the two areas that he's been at recently South Carolina has no talent and Colorado State's probably in the same boat Colorado State for what it's worth is a good Mountain West program but you're not going to bring in the talent that you're going to bring in while you're at Georgia and I really don't care about his head coach track record I, I care more about what he's done as an OC and he's only got one year of that recently since 2014 and he went to a school that we all believed he went to the school where the head coach was going to be what was going to be fired at the end of the year he was he had the okay. hottest seat other than Derek Mason entering the league play and he got fired I mean that, that that's not an attractive position to walk into and the, and they were in the cellar of the SEC and they didn't have the talent that's a difficult situation for anybody to walk into so it stinks from a perspective or from a perception about Bobo and Oliver bringing him in but I mean I think it's actually going to work out me and you both agree that we thought or we said this early in the week that we think Harson will be the one who's going to ret- retain that play calling ability so but I don't know that now this, this kind of seems like I, I don't I don't know if you take the play card out of Bobo's hands I think he's got enough of the I think he's got enough of the history and the resume and the coaching experience he's older than than Brian Harson he's 46 years old Brian Harson's 44 so I I, I kind of wonder what that situation looks like right now I don't know how good is this for Bo Nixo? You look at the track record for Mike Bobo with the David Greens and Matthew Staffords and Aaron Murray's of the world getting a lot out of these high-profile quarterbacks, Very at true. least in the college. And Brian standpoint. Harson. Yeah, I mean, you, Bo Nix has to be sitting at home just salivating right now because this is his chance. He's going to get the development that everybody has been wanting him to get for the past few years. And if you're an Auburn fan, I feel like you should be excited about this hire you know, maybe not over the moon. Cautiously excited. Yes. Be pessimistic, you know, be optimistically pessimistic, pessimistically optimistic, however you want to throw it out there. Just be a- tempered a little bit, but 
I, I really like this. I think it has so much potential to work well, especially from not only a recruiting standpoint, a quarterback development standpoint, and he knows the he knows the South, he knows the SEC. That's going to help because you know Brian Harson lacks in that department. It just seems like a really good fit for what Auburn is right now. He's going to be familiar too with cross state or not cross state cross border rival Georgia as well. I know the program's changed a lot since 2014 when he was last there, but he's at least going to be familiar with the scene and the rivalry and how the two compete against each other which I think is valuable information when you're talking about how these teams and how much these teams recruit against each other across the landscape I mean Auburn and Georgia and Auburn and Alabama are that trio right there those three are always competing for recruits in this pipeline and so from a philosophy standpoint and that's how I think everybody was looking at these two hires to try and give them an, an indication and the feeling that I've got across this entire coaching search is that it's going to be a balance of guys who are just good coaches and guys who are also going to help on the recruiting front. And, you know, I think it remains to be seen what Derek Mason truly can do as a recruiter at a program like Auburn in the Southeast because we've never seen it. He's coming from Vanderbilt. Different guys. Mike Bobo, familiar with recruiting at this stage. The other stop for Derek Mason outside of the Southeast since before Auburn is, is Stanford. And so he doesn't have that same I feel like recruiting prowess possibly as Bobo but I think he's a guy that can definitely coach very well and I think Bobo is going to bring a little bit more what sticks out about Bobo more with how people are I feel like down about this and why some people are having to be convinced people aren't disagreeing with the fact that he's got the recruiting experience people are just wondering if his offense still works <laughs> if people are going to be subjected to what they've been watching the last the last little bit under Gus Malzahn but I'm excited about this I don't think he's missed I don't I don't think he's missed on these two I think these are I think this is a good start to building his staff and we want to hear from you call in at 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502 you're on the line you are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. Call in at 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502. Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We want to hear from you. Call in, tell us your thoughts about Auburn's assistant coaching searches. We just got the press release literally minutes ago while we were during the break that Mike Bobo has now been officially named offensive coordinator at Auburn. Of course, still speculation out there that Derek Mason will be coming as defensive coordinator and Will Friend as offensive line coach. And I said back in the first segment, somebody said to me how, how to say, you know, Will Friend. And I was talking to Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast about it. And we were discussing that offensive line coach hire. And we assume it's Friend. We, friend, I don't know. And so maybe someone call in and help us. I mean, it's spelt like Friend, right? So, but we'll see if he's a friend after this season. But something he pointed out to me that I thought was interesting was Tennessee, with all that talent, with all those four and five stars on the offensive line, the offensive line at Tennessee, not that great. And then he takes off. Looks like he was taken off for South Carolina, and now possibly he's been linked to Auburn. Is is this a good move for Auburn on the offensive line? It's it's hard to say. Like, like you noted, the Tennessee lack of talent here, or the lack of production from the Tennessee with the 
with all the talent they had, the lack of production, it's really a tough move. I mean, I think if Auburn can get these recruits in, it has to show up and it has to materialize. It can't be worse. I can say that. I don't think it can be much worse than it has been. So I'm going to hold out the optimism and I'm going to keep the faith up that this is a good hire. But it's going to be yet to be seen. It also depends on what kind of style we're going to be doing as well with that offense that Bobo's going to bring in. Is it going to work out with – is it going to mesh very well? How are we going to get the most out of these players? I mean, it starts it starts with recruiting for the line for me, to be quite honest, and I think everything else will fall into place. He's obviously buddies with Mike Bobo. He was there with him while he was at Colorado State, so he's a friend of Bobo, and that's the only thing that's concerning to me right now about this particular hire is that – I don't want to see Auburn getting into the game of hiring buddies. Now, you're not just going to go and hire guys that you've never worked with before either because I think that that makes your job overly difficult. You obviously, from a communication standpoint, from a workflow standpoint, from a culture standpoint, you want to be comfortable with the guys that you're working with. So the track record for Friend speaks for itself. He's He's been at major programs. He's been at Georgia in the past as an offensive line coach. At Tennessee most recently, of course, Tennessee offensive line is not the only thing that was bad. So he's at least he at least built up that offensive line and recruited the offensive line well at Tennessee. We've seen the high profile players that have walked through the door. So offensive line recruiting is is a possibility that could you could see an uptick for that at Auburn. But you look at the draft picks that he has coached. He's coached overall twelve draft picks according to his bio on Tennessee's website. He's got twelve overall picks that he's that he's brought in. And then nine of those were offensive linemen that had been drafted, including a first-rounder in Isaiah Wynn at offensive tackle uh, to go on to the New England Patriots. And so he has, he has coached a handful of guys that have gone on to do some good things. I, 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 we'll see how it translates here at Auburn. If you're getting guys going to the NFL, then you're obviously doing something right. And maybe just the situation at Tennessee is a little bit worse than we thought. I mean, it, it hasn't looked great over the past few years, so... I mean, neither has Auburn, so that's yet to be seen. But I think that the situation in Tennessee might just be a little bit – it might have been just a little bit worse. And I think that his track record does show that he can put out offensive line talent, not only at the collegiate level, but at the next level in the NFL. I I don't like the buddy-buddy hire that you mentioned. I don't like that aspect of it, and I don't want this to be a trend moving forward. I've really liked how Auburn has spread it out and really – not being insular in its search for coaches. So I want them to continue to branch out and get guys that aren't, you know, friend of friends or not closely connected to some of these guys. So if this is one, this is a one of of a buddy-buddy hire, that's fine. I just don't want it to be a trend moving forward with the Auburn coaching searches. There's some good things about it and there's some bad. I think the only thing that I can say that's negative about it on the offensive line and – it's not official yet if Will Friend is coming to Auburn. At least we haven't received a press release about it, just like we did about Mike Bobo a few moments ago, where Auburn officially announced that at when I got the email at 2.16 p.m. So Mike Bobo's official right now at Auburn is OC. Derek Mason and Will Friend, the other two guys that have been closely linked to Auburn's program today and late last night, those two, we still are waiting official word on those. But when you look at Will Friend, the only thing I can say, I think you could say negative about the guy now that I've thought about it for, you know, all but the last, you know, couple hours today. I think the one thing that you can say negative is this season. 
this season for Tennessee is is a huge black stain on everybody's resume that's at Tennessee right now. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt is on the hottest of seats right now in the SEC, I feel like, even more so than Ed Orgeron. And I thought Ed Orgeron's seat was scalding at the end of the year. And we still don't know what's going to come from some of those sexual assault allegations and some of the other um, some of the other investigations into the LSU program right now about impermissible benefits and whatnot. But Tennessee's in the same boat. Tennessee is in the same boat right now. They've got an investigation going on about impermissible benefits. And Jeremy Pruitt's coaching seat right now was scalding before those investigations came out because of how poor this year was and the expectations that were heaped onto this season. So the main negative, just by association with the Tennessee program and what happened this year, it's on Will Friend's resume. Maybe that's why he was like, I got to get out. I got to get out of here or something. I don't know. I don't know why he had to get out, but he left Tennessee this year at the end in December and it looked like he was going to South Carolina and now he's coming to Auburn at least we think he's going to come to Auburn and so other than that though the resume is there he's coached at some major programs he's been at Georgia just like Bobo he's been at Colorado State with Bobo I mean so the track record there they're familiar with each other working with each other but the main thing that sticks out to me is the draft picks and guys going on to the league it is so hard to produce NFL ready offensive linemen it's so hard look at Auburn's track record at it Auburn's struggling to get one guy in a year off that offensive line, or at least that is well-respected going in. Of course, this this draft period, nothing. Last year, obviously the two tackles with Jack Driscoll and Prince Tegawanogo, and then before that, you know, you go back to 2014 and 2013, and there have been guys interspersed in between. Braden Smith as well was a second-round pick to the Colts, but Auburn just hasn't been putting a guy out every year I'm looking at his resume right now on Tennessee's website. He had offensive linemen go in 06, 07, 08, 2012. He had four guys go in in 12. Um, 2016, he had two guys. 2018, he had two guys. And then most recently in 2019, he had a guy. And these were all guys that he had coached at some point, not necessarily that he was on the staff at the time it's interesting how that's framed he wasn't necessarily on the staff at the time that they went to the league but he had coached them at some point when they went on and most 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 position coaches are going to count that too so you look at the track record he's got guys that have ended up in the league but not always there for when they were taking off so maybe trim off you know four or five of those guys off of that list but will friend i i think the only thing that i can really say negatively about him at the moment is, is, is what's happened this past season where Tennessee's offensive line had some of the most talent on paper blue trip blue chip ratio wise had some of the most talent on paper but it just never materialized when they got out there on the field and I mean that's like you said that's everybody at Tennessee this year oh yeah I mean it's it's been that kind of year for Tennessee it's been that kind of I don't know if I've seen a program take such a pivot like that that had so much optimism and like everybody on that staff going into this year people are the the expectations and the optimism about those coaches working out are beginning to grow a little bit and and their prestige in the community is beginning to grow a little bit like Jeremy Pruitt maybe not super well respected in the league after his first year but after last year everybody's thinking oh well Tennessee went eight and five last year ended the year on a really strong note won six of their last seven games here they go. It's like what happened at Missouri. Missouri's a great indication about what happened with their previous head coach, who for some reason I'm drawing a blank right now. He was fired. Eli Drinkwitz is now there. You'll do research for me real quick. But 
I mean, you saw what happened at Missouri. There was the one year where Drew Locke and them put on like their last five or six wins in a row just to get into a bowl game, won seven games, and the next year kind of they were flat. And then now you see a new regime's in at Missouri. And the Tennessee, you just see it was instantly from last year to this year, just a complete 180. And it, it... dumpster fire in the league right now truly one of the teams in the bottom of this league right now but they have so much talent barry odom that's right i forgot about odom yeah i was skipping over odom and going straight to pinkle and i couldn't figure out the guy sandwiched in between him and drink wit so well i mean you thought about what i mean you think about that though i mean tennessee and missouri two teams that had so much promise and then just set ablaze I mean, Tennessee did a complete turn. I don't right. know how that, how, like you said, it did. Now, they a dealt with a turn. lot of COVID issues this year, and I, th- I think that's why Pruitt's maybe getting a little bit, a little bit of leniency with a little bit of slack this. on the leash, right? I think everybody gets a little bit of slack this year because I mean, Ongo smells on. It, that was a little bit. That was boiling over. That was just from years past where they just they saw an excuse and they took it on that one. At least in my opinion, I don't think that was. They they weren't given the leniency for COVID. They were well past that before this year. It was almost like he was going into the season. If he didn't go undefeated and win a national championship, he was out. Like there was no real saving him at this point. At least that's what it seems the narrative was with the powers to be at Auburn. So we've got one officially named Mike Bobo and then two potential here with Will Friend and Derek Mason over at defensive coordinator, Friend at offensive line coach. So far through this, Quick thought before we head to break. I like all the hires. On paper, they really seem well. Um, And even the ones not on paper, like the whole Derek Mason, just that leader mentality he brings in. Mike Bobo, the recruiting record, the history with quarterbacks is really well. Will Friend has had a great list of accomplishments through his career outside of, like you said, the black stain that was 2019 season at Tennessee. So it's going all right. It's. I mean, I'm excited. These are pretty good hires. They're not super flashy either. We... We talked about that yesterday. Like yeah. you said, I mean, they no, didn't stay away from up. the shiny things. Just Auburn needs some iron right now. They don't need some bling. They need some iron. They don't. And they they got, don't need iron. Needs to sharpen iron in Auburn's program. People don't. We don't need to be bringing in gold or 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 fake gold into the program because some guys have some really really just hot names and they catch on fire in a they they catch on fire in a coaching carousel. But they may they may just be a one hit wonder. And so I'm glad to see that Auburn's kind of sticking with some with some tried and true names. More of On the Line coming up. we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. And joining us on the line is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are y'all? Doing great. Thank you for joining us on today's show. And, you know, as of about 15 minutes ago, and I'm sure you've got some, some official writing to do here, but Mike Bobo named Auburn Offensive Coordinator officially. I mean, we've seen the reports for almost 24 hours, it seems like. Mike Bobo, what do you make of it? It's an interesting hire. Uh, he, he definitely um, checks a lot of boxes that would make sense with Brian Harson. The fact that he's got SEC experience, the fact that he's got some really good recruiting uh, ties. Uh, he's done it at a high level in this league before. Um, he's crossed paths with Brian Harson, of course, during his time at Colorado State's head coach. 
Um, but, you know, it's it, it, it's one of those interesting moves because a lot of times, you know, in this day and age, so many offensive coordinator hires in college football are going younger and, and, and you know, diverse and just more, you know, explosive kind of offense. You see what LSU did trying to get two Joe Brady guys back in the picture earlier this week. Auburn's going in a different direction, and I think it really – fits the the line that we're seeing from Brian Harson where it's not necessarily, you know, the youngest or the sexiest or the splashiest tires, but guys that I think fit with his brand of football, uh, fit in with his viewpoint and fit in with the view of what he's going to try to bring to Auburn. And so it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting pick. I know there's some Auburn fans out there who are not, ha- you know, happy about this tire. I would say this, uh, the reaction that I'm getting a lot from uh, from from Auburn fans early on reminds me a lot of the reaction from Auburn fans when Auburn hired Kevin Steele in 2016. So I think some patience, give it some time. We know this guy's done it before uh, in the past at a high level, and maybe a place like Auburn is where he can kind of turn back the clock, much like Steele did during his time as defensive coordinator here. Derek Mason also today has been linked to Auburn. How close do you think we are possibly to an official announcement there? Pretty close, um, you know. The, you know, Derek Mason's probably been a guy that I'd heard about longer than the Mike Bobo stuff, and so Bobo being announced first, not a really a big surprise. But you know, one of those things where I think Mason's just been the guy that has been connected to this job pretty, pretty well for the last you know we, you know week or so. And um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we if we get some sort of confirmation here, uh, you know, by the end of the day maybe about Mason, or maybe they wait to do it tomorrow. Either way, I think Derek Mason is going to be your guy next uh, at Auburn, a defensive coordinator, and that's a really, really interesting hire as well. It's a guy with head coaching experience in the SEC, obviously. He's got a great reputation for being a very strong defensive mind. You know, at Vanderbilt, um, you know, the talent is what it is at Vanderbilt, but, uh, you know, defense never really was their issue. Um, you know, he's got a team that will play hard. He's very innovative, um, you know, does does a lot of really good things on that side. And again, I think he fits a lot in line with what Harson wants to bring to the table, where it's you know not necessarily the the newest and the flashiest kind of name, but it's more of hey, you know, here's what we're gonna do, here's the identity, here's the culture that we're gonna try to bend in. And, and if you're Auburn, you know, having a guy like um, Mason who did really good work with his defenses at Stanford and did for a while at, at, at Vanderbilt at times, producing some guys is like hey. You're not going to out-recruit Alabama or Georgia. You're going to recruit at a really, really high level, and you want to bring in dudes with recruiting connections. But in a scheme level, as a coordinator, you're going to want to do some things where you can kind of overcome some of the talent gaps um, by the by how you scheme. And, you know, the reputation for Derrick Mason is he's the type of guy who can do it. be very interested to see what he does with, with all type of talent. Justin, Zacoby McLean and Smoke Monday both announced that they were coming back this year. What do you think that means for Derek Mason if he is the defensive coordinator? What do you think the real expectations are for this Auburn defense next year? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a really big uh, pickup for for you know for Auburn to kind of keep going with those guys. Kevin McLean, you know, more tackles in a single season uh, than anybody in the SEC this year. Uh, his tackles uh, average in the league. Uh, one of the best uh, that we've seen at Auburn in a very long time. Uh, he, he's a weapon, and, and he, you know, did, had to do a lot this season without KJ Britt next to him. And he's got Owen Papo, you know, if, if Papo stays on, on on the roster, which a lot of people expect him to do, be a big year for him next year. You, what you're doing is you're really 
getting the, 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 the core of that defense, the backbone of that defense to be strengthened uh, in, in that case. And, and I think, you know, guys who are very, very productive, um, they're going to be able to help guide them through this transition. And, um, you know, very versatile kind of scheme-friendly players, both of them are. Um, you know, guys who have had to do some of everything at linebacker and at safety. And if you look at uh, in the past, the personnel and kind of the schemes that we've seen at Boise State, with Brian Harson on the defensive side, what we've seen with, uh, with, with, with Derek Mason at Vanderbilt is that he likes, you know, guys like this who can be versatile and do a lot of different things. So I think it's good moves for both of those guys to come back. Auburn's going to have to really, you know, find a, a pass rush. It would be huge, I think. To bring back some lockdown, a corner, a guy like a uh, you know a, a guy, a, a guy like Roger McCreary would be a big pickup. Back. But I think you're getting a core coming back on that defense where it, they took a step back this year. But I think it's going to transition by having some guys who had to play a ton and deliver in some big moments uh, the last couple seasons for Auburn. We're speaking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, and I, I hate to kind of jump all over the place, but I, I want to go back to Bobo real quick because I just thought of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I can't believe we're talking about this even going into post-Gus Malzahn, but do you expect Bobo to be the one calling the plays, or do you think that this is something that, that Harson will still do? I think it, I think Bobo would call the plays. I would be surprised if he didn't just because, um, you know, Mike Bobo – has experienced play calling at a high level in the SEC. Brian Harson has called plays in the past uh, at Boise State. Hadn't done it uh, in the last couple of seasons, to my knowledge. He's going to be involved. He's going to have kind of this holistic. Here's what we do. Here's how we, you know, how we're going to run things. I think stylistically they line up very similar in the fact that um, you know the, the the Bobo offense and the Harson offenses that we've seen in the past when they're at their best, it's throw something, uh, throw a little bit of everything at. At the, at the defense where it's spreading it out, uh, it's going under center, it's playing power football, it's going deep shot. Like it's it's very much a more of a pro style, um, you know, offense that you can't really you know just lock in on one thing. And I think that's where Bobo and Harson kind of see eye to eye a lot. So I would expect Harson, of course, to be very involved on the offense side of the ball. But I think when you go out and get somebody with offensive coordinator experience, with previous head coaching experience like this. I think they're going to trust him to uh, to call the play. So I'll be very interested to see what that looks like. Um, but I think you know Bobo making this jump would be a good sign that he's going to be able to run his system. Switching over to Auburn basketball now, Tigers fall to 0-3 in conference play, and I feel like I haven't said that in many years. But And we all know what the reason is for it. I mean, I mean, down two point guards, one of which isn't even a true point guard. It's talked about almost every day probably in sports talk radio if you're talking about Auburn basketball is the lack of a point guard. How much better do you think this team gets if Sharif Cooper's playing out there? A whole lot better. It's just because there's no continuity, no consistency in what they're doing on the offensive end on a you know, possession-by-possession possession basis, not because guys are doing the wrong thing, but it's just you know they've had to change so much. You, know, you get used to having Justin Powell being your point guard. Now somebody else has to bring the ball up the floor, which means there's a different role for you know, a guy like Alan Flanagan, which means it's a different role for a guy like Jalen Williams, means it's a different role for a guy like Jamal Johnson. And you see in kind of that execution, they kind of having to think a little too much, not knowing exactly where to be because they haven't had that rhythm and that repetition yet. Um, and this team was built, and this roster was built to have Sharif Cooper on the show. Um, you know, Auburn would love to have a backup point guard, a veteran guy to come in right now, but that's 
not the situation they're in at the moment. And in a year like this, you know, individual guys are going to get better, you know, kind of going through this fire right now. It sucks to lose this much if you're, if you're an Auburn basketball player for sure. But it's the big picture in mind. And I think if Auburn can weather the storm and get Cooper back, you'll start to see this team really start to come together. Uh, but for right, right now, it's just really hard to, you know, rely on too much from this team, especially um, guard play, because you, you don't have a whole lot of healthy options at this point. I've seen some people out there saying, you know, it's too, it's too early to panic with this team. Uh, kind of, if you can, or if you do think it's too early to panic, I mean, is it too early or is it, or is it time to hit the panic button, sell Auburn fans on something here? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think this is a season for panic whatsoever, just because, you know, it's, it's, it's not a year where it's not a normal year. You know, you have one of the most experienced teams in college basketball, and you had to go through an offseason where you didn't really get to practice like normal. Um, so you were always going to be playing from behind a little bit at that in that case. And you're very talented as a team, but you're very young and you don't have a point guard. And so much what Bruce Pearl wants to do, might have a steady hand. So, I mean, it's a year for development, and I get it. It's frustrating, um, and it's tough to watch if you're an Auburn fan seeing them, seeing them lose like this. But I think the fight that you see from this team, especially in the second half of these last couple of games, guys like Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan, you know, Certain uh, Jamal Johnson, we've seen individual guys really take massive steps forward in their development this year. This team's not going to be all it could be until it gets to full strength, and who knows when that's going to be. But you got to think of the big picture in mind, and this is very much kind of like a kind of like a developmental year, kind of like a minor league year uh, for for this team. So wins is, wins and losses are important in the fact that you do a lot more growing and a lot more learning after a win than a loss. But I think if you're an Auburn fan, you got to stick to, hey, let's look at the individual growth for these players, see how much they're fighting, see how much they're kind of grinding through and developing in, in a tough situation. You know, if next year, if Auburn can get their guys eligible and healthy and, and, and you know, hopefully back to um, some sort of normalcy in terms of what college basketball could look like, what's happening right now in the grand scheme of things isn't really going to matter as much if Auburn's winning big next season. So I think you need to hold on to that and hold on to the positives if you're an Auburn fan. Justin, thanks for hopping on with us today. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all. Uh, AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year get you access to everything we got going on over there. Uh, several stories a week. I got a mailbag coming up tomorrow where we'll touch on a lot of the Bobo and the, and the Derek Mason stuff. Um, more Auburn basketball coverage. I have a premium podcast just for subscribers that went up this afternoon. Y'all can check out as well. And, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at uh, JFergusonAU and uh, keep up with everything going on. Appreciate y'all having me on. Appreciate it, my man. Hope you have a good afternoon. Sir, you too. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. He's a, he's a guy that you that you want to subscribe to. I mean, talk about all the inside info that he's going to give you. Uh, he he's He's got it all there, and he's a guy who digs into the numbers. He's got the nerd stats. I'm here for it. And basketball season is a really fun time of year. Football season as well. Basketball season is a really fun time of year because he digs into the metrics and everything. Jay Ferg, he, he's the guy to go and look out for over on Auburn Observer. Thank you once again to Justin Ferguson for joining us on the line. We'll be back in just a moment. Once again, a huge thank you to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on On the Line today. You can join us on the line at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you about what your thoughts are on 
the Auburn coaching searches right now with offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, no official announcement on Derek Mason yet for D.C., but it's believed that he's the next guy in line. And then obviously Will Friend as well to follow the officially announced Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo, the O.C., Will Friend, his friend as an offensive line coach. And we've already heavily discussed that up to this point, so we'll switch over to some Auburn basketball talk, but we'll revisit it in the second hour you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio for any conversation you miss. So be sure to go and check that out on all those locations. Auburn basketball last night fell to 0-3 after losing Ole Miss 72-61. to They fell 0-3 in conference play. Where does Auburn stand going into the Alabama game on Saturday after what we've watched? Auburn, something about them that I love about this team is despite everything that has circulated around the program, they're not playing in the postseason this year so what are you really working toward at the end of this year now you're having to work towards 2022 NCAA tournament that's a long time from now when you're talking about the current circumstances in the country with the coronavirus and then with the Sharif Cooper issues also looming over this program this team has still not quit impressed by that they won the second half yesterday 32 to 29 over Ole Miss just lost the first half by a little bit too much you know and something that we talked about yesterday going into the game and previewing it we said Auburn could not get behind they're not built to come back against they're not built to come back against a team like Ole Miss who is playing solid defense consistently across the board they we talked about on KimPom.com that they were that they were the 17th best team in the country when it comes to defending their own bucket. And they really showcased that out there on the floor yesterday. Auburn shot 36.1% from the field, 33% from beyond the arc. You take the three-point shooting out of it, Auburn's only in the high 30s from inside the arc from two-point range. I mean, you look at Auburn, I mean, in any team in college basketball, if you're you're only in the high 30% range when you're talking about uh, when you're only in the high percent range, when you're talking about two-point range, um, the, it's not going to be a recipe for success for any team in college basketball. Anything less than really 47% is not considered good inside two-point land. And last night, Ole Miss dominated Auburn inside the arc. We've got a caller here on the line with us. It's Bill from Auburn. Bill, how you doing today? Fine, guys. I enjoy your show. I, just kinda, I heard uh, Dan and... Uh, other bill uh mentioned yesterday so i thought check in it's uh enjoy it a whole lot than the other one you had uh, a couple of months ago but anyway as far as the highs i mean i thought they're good if mason actually makes it here and, and bobo obviously is official i think that's uh they're good hires i mean you nobody is going to be satisfied with 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 anybody it seems like these days everybody wants who they think they should get in regardless of who who we Higher, uh, I'm just hoping the uh, the true fans will get behind them and and give them some patience as far as uh, let them recruit a little bit and get their systems in place. Uh, as far as Will Friend, I mean, you know, I don't think you can hold anybody against what went on in Tennessee this year with uh, Jimmy Bonbaugh being fired at halftime and uh, and uh, the, obviously the the climate up there sounds very toxic. I think Will Friend will be a good. Uh, a good addition to, uh, and he's he's coached some pretty good players in the NFL and had good college uh, careers. Uh, he recruited an awfully good offensive line up there, but you know, 
when you've got that much uh, goings on like we're going in Tennessee, that's bound to affect the team on the field. So, uh, like I said, that's a, I think we'll, the the people he's assembled will do a good job here, and I'll I'll support them uh, irregardless. Yeah, and the common theme that I'm seeing from all of these hires is. is Massive loads of experience. I mean, Mike Bobo's been in the game for a while, and he's coached at some high-profile fo- high places. Same with Will Friend. Then also Derek Mason's got head coaching experience, and he's been around the game for a while. So far, up to this point, Brian Harson with Bobo and Mason at least, I'm not sure on Friend, but with Bobo and Mason, they're both older than Brian Harson, and I, and I think that speaks volumes to Harson at this point, that he's okay with maybe not necessarily knowing everything and maybe not being always the smartest person in the room. Absolutely, and like I said, I'm just going to support them, and uh, they um, they know a lot more about than I do. I'm sure he's going to assemble a staff that they can, uh, you know. I'm sure he's researched it, and uh, anyway, that's all I got. And enjoy the show, guys, and uh, War Eagle. Appreciate it, Bill. War Eagle to you as well. You're our first caller on the show today, so we appreciate that, and uh, we hope you have a good Thursday afternoon and Thursday evening. That was Bill, and he was the first caller ever in the history of On the Line. And so you can join us on the line as well. We'll throw out that fun number again, 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502. We want to hear your thoughts on the hires. Auburn's finally bringing them in. And offensive coordinator Mike Bobo officially announced uh, defensive coordinator Derek Mason. It looks like it's on the verge of it. And Will Friend as well, also possibly on the verge on the offensive line side as well. Continuing some of our conversation here about Auburn basketball um, something that sticks out to me about this team, and you mentioned over the break, point guard play is going to be harped on over and over again. And just another example, and they didn't get blown out last night like you said they would. So I'm going to hold you to that. You said that they were going to get blown out last night, and they didn't. They scrapped. And this team is not made of a bunch of guys that are going to allow themselves to get blown out. Now, they might get blown out on Saturday because Alabama's doing that to everybody right now. But, and that's just because Alabama's great, not because Auburn's not going to try and take them all the way. But Ole Miss dominated Auburn on the inside I was talking about some of the percentages it was like 38 or 39 percent for Auburn inside the arc like a two-point range Auburn could not score last night Ole Miss dominated Auburn in that respect and I don't have Ole Miss's exact numbers but they were better from inside the arc much better from inside the arc than they were from outside the arc Ole Miss yesterday finished at 45.8 percent from the field total only 30 percent from three and half of their points came from fours 36 points yesterday came from their front court and I'm sure their guards were getting to the rack as well a, a lot Jalen Williams had a good day for Auburn 24 points but something that stick it out for me and, and you can talk about point guard play all you want but just the perfect indicator last night and we said this yesterday not a knock on Alan Flanagan but when Alan Flanagan's got to be your primary ball handler up the floor and Jamal Johnson as well it speaks volumes when Alan Flanagan has eight turnovers to five assists great great assist total but the eight turnovers are killing this program and it's not just Flanagan getting the turnovers he of course though had half of Auburn 16 last night and so you like Alan Flanagan a lot you love what he could do scoring the basketball but right now Auburn's not in a good place with who they have toting up the basketball and I still stand by what I said with the blowout sure. it, it looked good in the first half it looked like it was coming to fruition but this team does not have any quit in it should have accounted for that in my prediction of what was going on <laughs> That one three one zone, the one three one zone defense that Ole Miss trotted out and Kermit Davis had on the floor was just way too much for Auburn to overcome without the true point guard. You got to think when you're running against a really efficient defense and they're running that one three one zone, you really want to do what Ole Miss was doing towards Auburn's late zone in the half. You really want to attack and push. Auburn just couldn't do that yesterday. 
That's it for hour number one of On the Line. We got hour number two coming up, starting off hour number two with us. Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer Britt Bowen. You don't want to miss that conversation and more coming up. On the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater in the studio with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Talked a lot about the official hire an offensive coordinator for Auburn, Mike Bobo, coming to the Plains. Defensive coordinator Derek Mason on the verge. And then Will Friend as well on the offensive line. Those are the two big names today that have not been officially announced, but they seem to be on the verge. We're going to pivot here going into hour number two. And we've got Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer Britt Bowen joining us on the show. Britt, good friend. How are you doing today? No, War Eagle, buddy. It's good to good to hear from you. And man, congrats on the new show. Congrats to you and, and, and Levi both. Man, I know you guys both come from uh, Auburn and WEGL, so just really excited to see what you guys are doing and, able, and what you're able to accomplish. War Eagle to you, Britt, and thanks for uh, for welcoming welcoming us in. We'll be expecting a housewarming gift in in the mail, or maybe something <laughs> like that. Maybe we'll just catch some NFL football over the weekend. We're going to hold you to that one on on that as well. But let's hey, listen, in. listen. I, I'd just be happy with a lunch invite. I know you go to lunch with, with uh, a lot of our, our closest friends from around the community. I just want to be invited to lunch sometime. That's all I'm asking for. That's fair. You're over at the university. I, I really need to. I really need to to get in gear and, and get my stuff together. But um, let, let's talk about some Auburn women's basketball here. It, it's been a rough stretch here for Auburn over the last three games at least. Um, lost to Belmont, and then it has not been a walk in the park for the team going into SEC play 0-2 so far. But uh, tell me something positive right now about this women's basketball team as we go further into the season. Well, the positive thing for this team is, is honestly, they, they, have two, they have two games under their belt without Kate Thompson. You know, and, and not to make excuses for game one and game two of conference play against LSU and Georgia, but it, it, it is hard for a team with as many newcomers as that Auburn has this year, which is 10, to go on the road without their only senior and without the nation's leading uh, double-doubles leader and their leading scorer and rebounder in Unity Thompson. Look, that's a tall ask for any team that's in Auburn's uh, predicament right now. It just is. The good news for them is they have players that, that can step up and compete. They've gotten positive minutes from Aisha Koulibaly, off the bench, uh, look for her to have a big game tonight, and they've got and they've gotten good good play from Honesty Scott Grayson and Romy Levy as well. What Auburn needs is they need to step, they need a point guard to step up. Just just plain and simple, they need a point guard to step up to take care of the basketball because the scout is out on Auburn that if you press Auburn, apply a little pr- a pressure. Right now, Auburn's having a hard time handling that. 
Um, but for Auburn, they have some leadership in honesty, Scott Grayson and Annie Hughes. What they need is a, a team effort. They need one complete effort. They need that same half, that first half that they put together against LSU a week ago. They need two halves of that tonight at Ole Miss because Ole Miss is a much improved team from last year. Auburn taking on Ole Miss tonight at 6 p.m. on the road, just like the Tigers were yesterday. Um, what, do you, what do you know about this Ole Miss team going into the matchup? Not a lot, to be honest with you, because in prepping for this team, I was comparing this year's score sheet compared to last year's score sheet, and I'm thinking there's only two to three returners on this Ole Miss roster. But one player to watch out for is going to be their redshirt junior guard, Mimi Reed. She's a player that has been involved with Coach McPhee McEwen's program in Oxford uh, since she was a freshman. So Coach Flo is very familiar with her. Another player and probably their best player to watch out for is Shakira Austin. She's a Maryland transfer and a three-time Big Ten champion. And there's a reason she was number one or ranked the number one transfer in the transfer portal in the offseason. It's because of how good she is. She's averaging 18 points a game. Um, she's a player that can really do it all. She's a good shooter, a good scorer. Um, Auburn's going to have to get a body on her, and, and they'll have to account for her on both ends of the floor, not just on offense. What does Auburn have to do tonight to go out there and get the W and kind of kind of straighten things out here in conference play? Because just like the men's team, they, they, they don't want to fall to 0-3 here with some big games following up. I mean, Missouri's not going to be a slouch, and then Kentucky is looming two games away. Oh, no question. And the, the main thing Auburn has to do is, is they got to find some rhythm. They, they've got to learn how to break the press. Uh, first and foremost, and take care of the basketball. Auburn's averaging over 20 turnovers a game in conference play, and I don't care what conference play you in, 20 turnovers a game is is not winning basketball. And Auburn knows that. The coaches, the players, they know that. Um, I, I need a, be- a better game out of Elena Rice, Kyra Lowry, and Morgan Robinson, Wagyu, whoever's in there running the point tonight. Um, the basketball. Secondly, Auburn's going to have to rebound. Um, Auburn's got out-rebounded against LSU and Georgia. Georgia's a good team. Georgia's a very good team. But that LSU LSU game, I thought Auburn let it slip away down the stretch with turnovers and rebounds. Because the main thing about turnovers, guys, is you know if you're turning the basketball over, you're one, you're giving up points in transition, and it's not allowing Auburn's defense to set up their press and their half-court press. Okay, and and that's a big part of what Auburn does if you know Coach Flo's style of play. So um, Auburn, Auburn's offense is built off their defense, and when they're not able to set up into their defense, it's a big disadvantage. But all in all, again, Auburn needs a team effort tonight. They, they, they can't go out and expect one player to put up unique Thompson-type numbers. Now, if it happens, great. But Coach Flo said it before, and I agree with her, that it, you know, it's going to take everybody to step up. You can't just replace Unique Thompson overnight with, with, with the talent that she has. I mean, she's an honorable mention All-American just a season ago. So, um, yeah, I, I want to see some fluid play tonight. I want to see Auburn play as a team. I'm not, I'm not as necessarily worried about the score tonight as, as I am turnovers and, 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 and not getting frustrated like playing as a team and playing nice fluid basketball that's what I want to see out of Auburn tonight speaking of unique Thompson she was named to the wooden award midseason top 25 watch list earlier today can you explain to the people who maybe aren't as familiar with the Auburn women's basketball program what has she done this year to really earn that position and to be earned with that watch list this year 
Well, it's pretty simple. She leads the country with seven double-doubles at the moment, and uh, she's first in Auburn history and first in, in, first in the SEC in active players in double-doubles and a couple other categories as well. Unique, she's a player that can do it all. She's a force on the offensive end. She's a force on the defensive end. She rebounds the basketball as good as anybody as I've ever seen uh, in an Auburn uniform, at least in the last, in the last five years. Um, unique to averaging 18 points a game, 15 rebounds, and and guys, she's forced 25 steals this year as well. All right, she's still leading the team in steals, having missed the last two games, and uh, she she's Auburn's best free throw shooter too at 77. percent She gets to the line more than any other player. I mean, she she is truly the player for Auburn that that can do it all outside of running the point guard position. But if you watch her play. I mean, it'll take one or two possessions with her with a basketball in her hands to see why she's so dynamic and why she's putting up the numbers that she is and how talented that she is. Uh, I, I, Coach Lowe said this on the on the Coach Lowe show Tuesday night, and I agree with her that if we were a better basketball team this year, unique and last year too, unique would be getting much more national press than what she's getting right now and 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 look like obviously we want auburn to win for auburn and to win as a team first and foremost that's always number one but for a player to come in like unique thompson guys that those players don't come along every single year i mean we've seen that in 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 men's basketball with the talent those guys have had come through um you you just want to see your best player succeed at the highest level and and of course that that's, that's the hope with with unique is if we can get this thing going and get this thing turned around here down the stretch. I'm assuming it's believed there's there's WNBA prospects there for unique Thompson. Then I guess. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like I, I, I've talked to our SID about it. I, I haven't seen scouts there yet, primarily because of of COVID. I think, um, but I, I think she's certainly one that is that is on their radar. One thing I think unique's going to have to do. To, to get into the WNBA and, and succeed is I think she needs to develop her outside game a little bit more. And I'm not necessarily shooting the three, but I think unique if, if she can develop that mid range jump shot and it's not bad by any means right now, but if she can d- develop that mid range jumper and, and be a little more confident and knock down a couple more uh, mid range shots, I, I, I think she's going to be a, going to be a player that scouts are intrigued by because Again, once you see her play, it's it, she quickly takes over and, and and expresses why she's so dynamic. Yeah, twenty and twenty three in a, in a game against Belmont. It's got to speak volumes. I don't know how she couldn't be on a WNBA scouts radar when when you see somebody went twenty and twenty three. Those are those are Shaq like numbers as a yeah, as a rebounder. She- and she did it against Houston. I mean, she was the first player, I believe, since Loretta Freeman in the early 90s to put up a 2020 line in an Auburn women's basketball uniform. Yeah, like, I mean, those are video game numbers, you know? So, uh, but, the, but the main thing for all. <laughs> Go ahead. I know. I was saying, I wish there were video game numbers. I wish I could sure. do that on a game. <laughs> Well, no, look, you got to do what I do and put it on easy and not play on what is it, professional or all pro. Like, you know, listen, when I play video games, I, I want to feel good about myself. I, 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 that's my escape from my reality, which of being a Miami Dolphins fan, not making the playoffs. So I got to put it on easy so I can advance and, and, and get my confidence back up. Britt, you're talking to the guy who came in and was complaining about his Madden franchise being too hard <sighs> to play against because he listen, had this difficulty set so high. Listen, 
Noah, we'll, we'll get on. A, I, we can get off on a tangent about Noah, but listeners, I'll tell you this. Noah told me that he can no longer play NCAA college football, the most recent game, which I believe is 2014, because he has gone on. He, he, he's uh, uh, managed the settings, changed the settings, and, and all the different attributes in the game to match his skill level, and it's still too easy for him. So this doesn't surprise me this is uh, true. hearing the other side of it for Noah, but uh, I, I am interested to, to hear, probably off the air, Noah would probably be best over lunch, but I'm interested to hear how your bad <laughs> dynasty is going. Well, let, well, let's switch gears then to, to some football talk with you. I'm sure you've seen the most recent news. Now, you've been working on some things today, but I'm sure you've seen the most recent news with Mike Bobo being announced as Auburn football's you know, officially, he's now the OC at Auburn. So, what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, I I, I got text today about it. Uh, Noah, unfortunately, I've been uh, installing a new radio board in our campus radio station today, so I've been able to read up a ton on it. But uh, no, I'm excited. I mean, uh, Coach Bobo, uh, he's a dynamic coach, and and I'm a firm believer that. Coach Harson should be able to bring in guys that he's confident in, and and, and honestly, with, with a coaching change and, and rolling the dice, roll the dice with him, see what he's got. Um, he's obviously going to have some some holes to fill this next year. They got to build a staff around him. Um, the number one thing, though, he, he's going to have to rebuild in his time as OC and Coach Harson in recruiting is, is the offensive line. I, I think we we've seen how that's affected Auburn um, uh, in in recent years. I think if they can build a good, strong, quality offensive line, look, uh, Auburn's going to recruit the skilled players. They always have at at quarterback, running back, and receiver. So if Auburn can put together that final piece, I I, I like their chances of being successful. Britt, thanks for taking the time to join us today, my man. Hope you have a good afternoon. Guys, I appreciate the time. War Eagle, and hope we get a win tonight against Ole Miss. That's right, Brett War Eagle, and uh, that'll be Auburn women's basketball taking on Ole Miss tonight at 6 p.m. on SEC Network. That was Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer Britt Bowen there joining us on the show to talk about the upcoming game for Auburn tonight. They're falling in the men's basketball team's footsteps, hopefully not in the result, but they are down there in Oxford once again in action tonight at 6 p.m., and I believe the game on SEC Network also um, I'm excited to uh, to see what this team can do once Unique Thompson gets back on the floor because I wish I could put up numbers like she can on, uh, on Man, video be, games and whatnot. Impressive. More of online on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Forty-five minutes left in hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the show. Another thank you to Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer, just joining us in our previous segment. If you missed that conversation or our conversation with Justin Ferguson, the Auburn Observer from hour number one, you can go and find that on the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Phone lines are open at 334-321-1390 or 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you about what you think about Auburn's coaching searches. Some decent hires here. I feel like some good hires here. Nothing that's like sexy or splashing all over the place with the big names of this coaching carousel. But the one theme that I think you can say over and over again with these guys is they are experienced. 
and a lot of them have more coaching experience I feel like they definitely have more coaching experience in this league than Brian Harson, but they have every bit as much if not more coaching experience than Brian Harson does at like a major level more more than just OC and head coach as well they've, they've got it combined and so I've, I've been impressed with the coaches that have been put together and of course some people are going to look down on Mike Bobo as OC here just because of the recent track record getting fired at Colorado State and then obviously this past year at South Carolina but I think people have to look past that and understand that you got to look back to his Georgia days and the experience that he has in this league and what he is as a recruiter I think everything's going to work out just fine just maybe pump the brakes a little bit Justin Ferguson said this and I really agree with this this is so insightful he said that the reaction that Auburn fans are giving to Bobo right now are the same people that gave the same reaction to Kevin Steele when he first came in and the defense ended up working out just fine and I think those trajectories are pretty similar I'm interested to see what happens with Bobo and then we're still waiting on the official announcements for Derek Mason and Will Friend if those are to come I mean they've been reportedly heavily linked to Auburn very close it feels like but nothing official just yet on those places what do you make of the experience for what Auburn is bringing in at, at at these coordinator and assistant coach positions because Derek Mason and Bobo both are older than Brian Harson and have every bit as much coaching experience if not more than Brian Harson does it's I know Auburn fans are going to hate this comparison but it's a little reminiscent of how Alabama has built a lot of their offensive staffs you know maybe not as high-powered with the coordinator positions over time but they're bringing in guys who are who used to be head coaches you have a staff full of multiple head coaches now a lot of experience that's so true I forgot about that too yeah both of them have head coaching experience if if Mason ends up being the DC if Mason is you know it's heavily linked it seems like it's almost a done deal as being reported but if both of those guys are coming in you have two guys on your staff with head coaching experience that's really impressive and that honestly it just kind of makes sense that it seems that that's what Brian Harson wants he wants guys to come in and be leaders it doesn't seem like he's bringing in guys who are just there that just do x's and o's he looks like he's bringing in guys who can really command a room really knows how to lead by example and knows how to really just talk to the players and get them involved and speaking on the x's and o's side of it and development process you look at Mike Bobo I mean his quarterback record speaks for itself. Guys like Matthew Stafford, David Green, you have guys like Aaron Murray. And he, he's even been credited with helping recruit guys like Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, running backs at the next level. It's not just all quarterbacks here, but I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Ferguson hit on it earlier when uh, he was on and talked about how a lot of teams are going younger. A lot of teams are doing this They want to get younger on the offense, a hot shot, young mind to bring in here and really revolutionize whatever they're trying to do. It seems like Auburn is doing the exact opposite. Auburn is really just trying to get older, get experience, have some sort of backbone leadership that, honestly, we haven't seen from Auburn in a while. So I think this at least gives fans something to be excited about, whether they love the hire or not. Give it time. Maybe try to be patient and see because, it, honestly, it looks like a really good hire to me. On yesterday's show, I said Auburn needs to stay away from the shiny things. And if you don't understand what I mean by the shiny things, I mean don't be tricked or deceived by big names or splashes or things that look sexy right now because they may be one-hit wonders. 
I don't know if Jeff Levy's going to end up being a one-hit wonder at Ole Miss. Yesterday, I kind of compared him in that same place. Maybe it was wrong to do so because Levy and Kiffin are going to tear up this league offensively, I feel like, for, for several years to come. But would Levy be doing that outside of Lane Kiffin's leadership at Ole Miss, outside of some of the players that are at Ole Miss? It could just be a great fit. So you always have to be careful to not overcompensate or, or to overpursue for guys that have big names. And Auburn in the past, I think Chad Morris really falls into that category. Like everybody's looking back at Chad Morris. And I, and I had a podcast, there's actually an on-the-line podcast titled this, like Auburn fans, you know, don't buy into the hype of, of Chad Morris. And I, that was back in January when it first came around. I said that. And then I even found myself over the months as the season got closer you know, trying to talk your talk myself and other people into, you know, it's going to work out. It's going to be fine. And it ended up not working out. It ended up being Gus Malzahn 2.0 at offensive coordinator. And I would say Gus Malzahn 2.0 because I think the passing game changed a little bit. But the results still felt like the same. And it still felt like Auburn made offense look hard. I'm happy that Auburn's branching out a little bit, bringing, a, bringing in some different schemes, some different styles in. Derek Mason's going to bring in a great mentality on the defensive side and then Mike Bobo on the offensive side you're switching away from the spread and moving to something that's a little bit more pro style a little bit more west coast with passing tendencies and whatnot it's gone to the days of hurry up no huddle offense at Auburn which is which I think is a good thing for what this roster needs to do to take steps in the right direction to be more successful it's not like Auburn's going to be exclusively under center or anything like that I still think you're going to see Auburn in the shotgun a lot but it's just the game of football has changed so many teams are still going to be in the shotgun but they're going to have two tight ends out there you see more 12 personnel out on the field now than you have ever and defenses are having to adjust to it I don't think Auburn's had quite adjusted to it this year based on certain things how Auburn lined up in the nickel all the time and just Auburn had a hard time matching up with good tight ends this year schematically and maybe that's just roster fit didn't have the personnel to do it but you see more and more Iowa State's a team if you if you watch them at all this year You'll see their team under Matt Campbell who's going to throw out two tight ends a lot and that 12 personnel. In this day and age with how linebackers are a lot smaller and how DBs are small and athletic and just more and more teams are in 4-2-5 across the board and they have athletic players, they're not good enough or not good enough. They're, they're not big enough or strong enough to be able to get around a big tight end that's capable of boxing them out and catching the ball in the passing game that's something that Bobo's going to bring to the table offensively and that's something that we knew based off Hartson's track record that he's going to bring to the game that currently right now in college football I would argue is rampaging across the game tight ends are more useful now than ever in the college game and then also it's translating to the NFL more so it was in the NFL first now I think we're seeing more college teams do it but those players are now moving on to the NFL, and you're seeing teams all across the board in the league have good pass-catching tight end options. Almost every team's going to at least have one that's going to be involved in the passing game. And in college right now, it is destroying nickel defenses across the board because linebackers now are too small. Linebackers have never been good at coverage, and to this day, they still won't be that good in coverage. And so they already had a disadvantage against great fleet-of-foot tight ends, but on top of that, DBs are getting boxed out by these tight ends who can now play and are super athletic. I mean, look at Pitts over at Florida. That's the new age tight end in college football, and he is not the first. I mean, Evan Ingram was like that at Ole Miss. There are guys all over the place. Um, Weidermeyer or Wiedermeyer or whatever it is at, at Texas A&M. I mean, you have guys. We saw that, him hurt Auburn. Guys that came out recently, like Hayden Hurst, a yep. guy from South Carolina who fit that mold. Hawkinson out of Iowa. Mark Andrews at Oklahoma is the next Gronk. 
Yeah, all, all these guys. The OJ Howard at Alabama. It's just like that Irv Smith, another Alabama guy yeah. who played that. And it's like a pendulum. The defense adjusts to the spread. They go smaller at linebacker. They want quicker guys who can cover more offense. Says, so, okay, you want to make the linebacker a little bit smaller? I'll trot out Gronk 2.0 out here and throw it to him because you can't cover him. And right, I know nobody on the field can cover the tight end at the moment. Exactly. And I don't know if Saul, and I don't know if the answer to that is making linebackers bigger again either because they definitely wouldn't be able to cover at that point because they're going to be slower. So like, and, and this is just the beginning of how offenses have adjusted defenses. I, I don't think we've really began to see the proliferation of 12 personnel in college football until the last year or two in college football it's still catching on right now I think it's only the beginning I think that's a big part of why some defenses have struggled this year in the SEC it's that defensive personnel now is a little bit behind the eight ball on how they have to combat new offenses and new offensive schemes coming into the game it is it is changing I think the zone read isn't necessarily isn't leaving the game but it's no longer the focal point like it was in the first half of this previous decade right and you saw Auburn I mean even kind of move away from the zone read offense this year it seemed like it was more of a factor than ever and you'd be stupid not to when you've got Bo Nix in the way that he can run but it's only the beginning for for how offenses are doing this and defenses I still think are you know another full recruiting cycle of four years before they even have the personnel on the field to be able to keep up with something like this and I think the position just you know really getting into the nuts and bolts of football and if people want to go and sound smart when they go and have conversations with people and say stuff like this you know I think the the next position to really become super valuable, and it already is, but the next position that's going to see a big change on the defensive side of the ball is the safety position. I think that the safety is going to be that next player, like especially strong safeties, I think are, are going to, like the Jamie and Sherwoods of the world. I think you're going to see more Jamie and Sherwoods, more Jabril Peppers, more the Clemson player that for some reason is is completely missing my mind after after out of last year's recruiting class, and you'll, you're going to go find that for me right now, but... I mean, they're, they're, you're seeing more and more of those strong safeties being able to play anywhere on the field. And now more than ever, these strong safeties and just safeties at any play, place on the field have to be hybrid and have to be able to cover, have to be able to be big enough in the run stop. The safety position right now is going to be what I think in a couple of years is going to, have, is going to change to adapt to be able to handle tight ends and whatnot a little bit more effective than what they are right now because you don't want to give up what you've got at linebacker as far as speed is concerned and and dbs aren't getting i don't, I don't think dbs is something that's going to really change either at this time period so i mean when, when you're looking at the way that college football has changed i think that's had a big impact on what auburn's done defensively and why maybe some of the teams in the sec maybe took a step back i think offenses are now switching to to beat up on this four two <clears throat> on this four two five defense a little bit more that went to match some of the spreaded out offenses in uh in college football we'll be back with more of on the line here on the other side of this break Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Tight ends. The great enigma of Auburn football. And I think Auburn's finally going to solve that puzzle. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. If you want to join the show, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Coming up after us in about... 
30 minutes. We'll have the drive with Bill Cameron. Stay with us. You got four hours of local radio here on ESPN 106.7 starting at 2 p.m. Talking your favorite sports, Auburn Athletics primarily, and then branching out of that into the SEC and beyond. So stay with us here all, all the time on the line and then also the drive with Bill Cameron. And then also coming up on Saturday, join Zach Blackerby and Lance Dahl this Saturday for another edition of After the Game on ESPN 106.7 following Auburn's game against Alabama this Saturday they will provide post-game analysis as well as take your calls. So make sure to call in to share your thoughts on the game. After the Game is brought to you by Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe in Auburn, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Columbus Hospice of Alabama. I loved our discussion from the last segment. So I want to continue here. We opened it up with tight ends, the great enigma of Auburn football. And I think that puzzle is about to get solved based off of the coaches that Auburn is bringing in. Mike Bobo officially announced as offensive coordinator. We've discussed all of what that means for the coaching search, but now let's talk about what that means for the scheme here in Auburn. And Justin Ferguson alluded to it a little bit, that you're seeing Auburn go in a different direction than offenses have trended towards this year. Auburn's now going back to a little bit more of a pro-style game. You're still going to see the shotgun, because that's just a staple in today's day and age of college football. It's the new under center. Right, The under center is as rare as ever in the game of college football or just period the game of football. I think it's the same way in the NFL as well, or at least it's trending in that direction. What this means for from a scheme perspective for Auburn, not just for Mike Bobo, because I think Mike Bobo fits a lot of what Brian Harson's doing also on offense. It's felt like in the last year or two, there has been a change across college football at certain locations and there are some coaches out there that I, I really admire and really like. And Matt Campbell's one of those guys that I've really zeroed in on it. And he's one of the guys that I feel like have, has tipped me to think, well, I think we're beginning to see now the adaptation to these athletic defenses. So it started back in the early 2010s. Gus Malzahn, Oregon did it. There are several teams. Rich Rod was doing it. The read option and the zone read, really, and spread out offenses caught like fire. I mean, I to two national championships based off of that offense alone. Just right. the read option, mobile quarterback that they just carried exactly. on there. And it took about four or five years for defenses to get the personnel in to be able to combat it. And lo and behold, guess what? It, that kind of matched up with Auburn's timeline struggling offensively. It came around 2015 where we really saw Auburn's offense begin to struggle. And I don't think it was necessarily because of the great adaptation of defenses. I think that was just a talent thing for Auburn that, that they struggled to get the right guys on the field to – succeed offensively but I think beginning in about 2015 we saw defenses nickel was everywhere Auburn says they ran a 4-3 or said they ran a 4-3 this whole time Auburn didn't have three linebackers on the field majority of the time or ever Auburn was in the 4-2-5 defense pretty much the whole time this year and sometimes they'd even go to three down linemen against teams like Mississippi State and LSU when they wanted to throw the ball teams that threw the ball over the place Auburn would put six defensive backs on the field and so I think we've seen in college football the types of players that have entered the game linebackers are smaller or more athletic or faster cornerbacks you have the 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 evolving safeties that, that have became more hybrid safeties that have to cover now more than they ever have strong safeties too and I think they've done that now to have to adjust to those athletes on the offensive side of the ball and to the to rule changes as well that, that have really pushed the needle towards offense to make it as successful as ever. But I, I think now we're beginning to see offenses adapt to that defensive adaptation 
to where now we're beginning to see teams bulk up on offense to beat up on the smaller teams. And I think it's working. Yeah, I mean, you we talked about it over the break about how it's like a pendulum. When you think of it this way, it swung towards the spread offense. All the defense said, okay, let's get smaller. Let's cover these guys. And then offense says, you know what? Let's get bigger. Let's attack them. Let's find this, like we were talking about with the tight ends, let's find this big, massive guy who is going to physically dominate you. Oh, yeah, he can also run routes and catch. Let's put that out there. And then you can't do anything about it. Auburn is going to have a beast at tight end in the next three years. And I think they already may have one come again who can show out. Grant Calcaterra was really good at Oklahoma. The numbers may not speak to that over his time, but he really came on strong at the end of his career at Oklahoma. And then I remember his Big 12 catch against Texas. That is his highlight play at Oklahoma. And he was the guy really after Mark Andrews. He He was underneath Mark Andrews for a little while, who's destroying in the NFL right now. And another one of those tight ends who's now being used in the NFL and now are beginning to be used in college football to do some dominant things I think that Calcaterra can have a solid year next year I think he's going to get worked into the passing game that's why Auburn's bringing him on I mean Mike Bobo and Brian Harson are going to inherit a, a good tight end there but I think even after Calcaterra over that next three-year window you're going to get a beast at tight end because that's Auburn's going to want to use those in the passing game that's what you're beginning to see Matt Campbell does it at Iowa State You began to see it trickle all around college football, different teams here and there. Alabama's using the tight end dominantly on everybody. LSU incorporated it with Moss into their passing game. Everybody that it, that is making changes on offense right now, one of the big changes that's coming in is the evolve. It, it, what, what has evolved in college football is the tight end position, and I think that is about to happen at Auburn, and Auburn fans should be very excited. This is not like when Chip Lindsey came in and everybody was like, he's used tight ends in the past are we about to use tight ends it feels like every time Auburn's brought in a coordinator the big question is are we about to use tight ends this time I can say with 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 pretty good confidence Auburn's about to use tight ends yeah this is the hire that it really seems that Auburn will start using the tight end position a lot more than it ever has at least within the Gus Malzahn regime the past few years it started with the NFL like you said you had guys like Jimmy Graham you had guys like Gronk and more recently, Kittle, Kelsey, those guys who really physically dominate a team but also stretch you offensively with their pass-catching ability and their athleticism, they're a nightmare to cover. And you want to have guys like that. And I think that's what Coach Harson is really trying to do here with bringing in a guy like Mike Bobo who wants to run that style of offense anyway, a little bit more traditional pro-style, West Coast implication or a little bit of uh, implementation of West Coast as well. So this is a great time to really look at Auburn and think it seems like they're a little bit, maybe not really ahead of the curve, but a, a little bit. Like they actually are catching on quicker than you would expect. When the spread was starting to kind of drift away, that read option kind of drifted away, Auburn just kind of dug their heels in the sand and said, we're going to do this and we're going to be good at it eventually. Didn't quite pan out, and now it looks like Auburn is really trying to catch what the next thing is going to be offensively in college football and really kind of try to do that a little bit before everybody else does. Coaches are the biggest copycats on the planet, 100%. You have, you have to be. Right, and they're, they're, you can go and read books on this. Like Coaches will tell you that 
everybody's copying each other and that and that's the reality of it and I think this is the next thing for Auburn is that they're moving in that direction on offense which is it's going to be a good thing for Auburn let's talk about personnel then to be able to achieve that what's on the roster right now Auburn's got tight ends on the roster Luke Deal Frazier as well I feel like those two guys are going to be primarily the guys moving forward that are going to be pass catching alongside Grant Calcaterra I think this probably I, I I'm not confident that JJ Pegues is going to make it into this game I could be wrong I mean it's not like we've heard anything from any press conference about personnel and it's super early I mean it has not even been a full month that Brian Harson's been head coach but this is just my personal guess making guesses about the future of what the offense looks like I, I think Pegues is going to have a hard time fitting into this system and maybe maybe I'm just stirring stuff up by say that but I don't think he's that great of a pass-catching tight end. He's not fast. He's not going to be able to get open. Good luck trying to get around the guy to try and, you know, because he's going to be able to box you out. But I, I just don't know if he's if he's got the dexterity at tight end to be able to do it on a consistent basis, which Auburn's going to want a tight end who can both block and pass catch. And is going to they're going to want a tight end that's going to help Auburn stretch the field. And I don't think that's I don't think that's Pegues. And so tons of fun may not be may not be playing that much at tight end for Auburn moving forward and and you wonder does he switch positions what does that mean for him at Auburn moving on I I don't know but that's just my that's my guess personnel wise and no there's no information out there about that that's just me you know months and months in advance before fall camp and then a couple months in advance in spring camp just guessing that I I don't know if Pegues is really going to play a major role in the passing game next year Auburn only got him out there in gimmicky situations this past year and I think the gimmicks are beginning to stop. I think I'll go with one opposite of you. You're going to go a guess. I think J.J. Pegues goes in. I think he maybe slims down or builds his body a little bit better for what they're going to expect well, out of tight That would be end. incredible if he slimmed down. Because he's an athletic freak at his that's size true. right that, now. That, that's true. So I'll play on the opposite side. I'll sit here and I'll say I think he's going to work on himself and fix fit what offense and what the tight end is going to look like for this new offense so the get fit jj pagese that'd be that'd be interesting because we do know how athletic he is at above 300 pounds what would that look like if it did to below 300 pounds exactly 280 I mean, pound tight end i'm sure there's been several of those out there 280 pound tight end. that would be interesting i'd be curious to know what jj pagese looked like at 280 you know or you maybe you see him move on to the offensive line somewhere i i don't know but i think there there will be some personnel changes coming for Auburn football at least the way that they use those and then also maybe the guys that you see Auburn recruit like I don't know if Auburn recruits quarterbacks like Demetrius Davis from here out I think you may see more guys that Auburn recruits like Bo Nix obviously Auburn fans some Auburn fans out there may have just groaned when I said that but my point is I think you maybe see some more some guys who are past first out there the Sean Whites the Jake Bentleys of the world might start coming through Auburn as opposed to guys who are super athletic and, and run the football over the place. I have huge one. I have huge questions about what Auburn's quarterback room looks like after this year. I, I, I think Bo Nix is the future of the offense for sure, but is Demetrius Davis the next guy after Bo Nix? I don't know. I, I don't know if he's your prototypical guy because when I compare him to when I compare him to other guys that have played quarterback for Brian Harson, skill set wise, he doesn't look like him. He does not look like the same type of quarterback that we've seen go through the doors at Boise. More on the other side of this break here on On the Line. We'll be wrapping up the show in just a few moments. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama.
Last segment of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you, and LSU seems to be getting distracted by some shiny things. LSU has now hired their new offensive coordinator, Jake Peets, who has spent this past time with Joe Brady. He was the understudy of Joe Brady in Carolina with the Panthers. And of course, LSU fans, Auburn fans, everybody's going to be familiar with Joe Brady and what he did at LSU just a year ago. But now LSU one year removed from not having Joe Brady, the offense turned into a dumpster fire. And I think that had a lot to do with the quarterback situation, which I don't believe has been fixed just because they hired a new offensive coordinator. The reason why I say LSU being distracted by some shiny things, I think they are being, I think they're just encouraged by the fact that he was with Joe Brady, but somebody's got to mention that he's not Joe Brady. This is the understudy of Joe Brady. And I don't know if you hire the understudy of Joe Brady to come into, or an understudy of any sorts, to come into your program and fix something that is desperately needing to be fixed. This is a curious move by Ed Orzron, who's entering into a major year considering what's circulating around him. And he ended this year strong with some wins that put him in position now. I mean, what, LSU finished 5-5 five and five this year after being horrible at the start. And LSU's got the talent across the board. But I'm still, I just, I wonder, will this make a difference for them on the offensive end when I don't know if it's coordinator that was the issue. I, I'm thinking it's quarterback that's the issue at LSU. Yeah, I agree. I think it is quarterback that is the issue. But if quarterback is the issue, you want to get a guy who was under one of the better quarterback coaches and got the most out of quarterback talent like Joe Brady did when he was there I don't hate the hire I think it's really good I think they are kind of falling into hey this worked for us last year let's try this let's get a Joe Brady guy which you could do worse you could do worse by getting someone not a Joe Brady guy Joe Brady did outstanding when he was at LSU he did some okay things in his first year at Carolina they had a lot of offensive talent the defense was incredibly terrible so really couldn't do much when you're having to when you're going to throw all the time type of game like Carolina was in this year I don't hate the move I think it's actually one of those pretty pretty good moves maybe a little bit too highly talked about just because of the connections like you said LSU came on strong at the end of the year beating Florida beating Ole Miss they're always going to have talent. They're always going to have talent at LSU. They're always going to be able to recruit well, especially with Coach Ogeron as a head coach. He embodies that state of Louisiana. I think we should got uh, you just got to give it a year. I think this is going to work out for the Tigers. They just have to really solidify that quarterback position this year. He's been a coach that has changed his location every single season he's been coaching in football since 2012. He has not stayed in the same location. I mean, he was with the Raiders for a three-year period, but his role on the team switched each of those years. He's done something different every year that he's been in football. So we'll go back to 2012. Jaguars assistant quarterbacks coach, 2013. He was an offensive analyst at Alabama with quarterbacks. Redskins offensive quality control and assistant wide receivers coach. And then with the Raiders in 15, senior offensive assistant. And Raiders in 16, assistant quarterbacks coach. At 17, he was the quarterback's coach of the Raiders. 2018 at Alabama, he's an offensive analyst. 2019, he was the running back's coach for the Panthers. And then in 2020, this year, he's moved over to quarterback's coach for the Panthers. And I'm looking at Bridgewater. 
this year. He was fine. He was eh. He didn't do it. I mean, completion percentage and yards jump off the page, but touchdown to interception ratio. He had 15 TDs, 11 picks. He was eh. A lot of their struggles, I think, came from the fact that most teams knew what they were doing. Their, their defense was so bad that they were always throwing the ball. So I, I find it really hard to judge how Teddy Bridgewater did and put that as a reflection of Pete's and even Joe Brady at the next level. But, yeah, that's not what you want to see. You don't want to see those stats when you just hired your offensive coordinator. Bad offensive line. He got sacked 31 times. That's horrible. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey out as well doesn't help things either for, for the Panthers. So I'm not going to knock this guy. But it's just – and I know position coaches tend to jump around, but nothing ever stuck for him as QB coach anywhere. That's concerning. He was never quarterback's coach at a place for more than one year. Um – that doesn't that you, doesn't that doesn't you can't say he lacks well. experience he's got plenty of experience in different uh different venues but like in major on-field roles not so much i mean let, let, i mean let's look at the stops 2020 this year obviously is qb coach with carolina 2019 running backs coach that was another year 17 quarterbacks coach for the raiders his assistant qb coach in 16 i'm not going to count that because he was an assistant i mean that's it three years where he was the guy at his one position and none of those really ever stuck Anywhere that he's been at, I don't know why that is, but I don't know why you jump from QB coach of the Raiders down to offensive analyst at Alabama, right? So it just nothing ever seemed like it stuck for this guy. And so I'm not so sure if this is what LSU's looking at right now to try and turn things around when they need something. This just felt like we're trying to we're trying to relive the, the good old days. We're trying to rekindle some magic with a guy who was just under the guy who really helped us out, but he's not the same person. This is this is not the same thing. This is this is great value brand, right? This is not the the brand. This is this is the marked down price. This is the this is not the guy. Just because he spent a year under Joe Brady does not mean that he's bringing Joe Brady's mind to the LSU Tigers. So I I'm not so sure that this is gonna that this is gonna change some things. I mean, you're going from Steve Ensminger, who had oogles of experience had all the recruiting ties in the area what does this guy have as far as recruiting ties for LSU he's never had to recruit in college football he's never had to recruit and now he's thrust into a primary position that is typically associated with recruiting and recruits wanting to like you this is the this is the head honcho position of the offense and he's got no background in that when it comes to college football in the southeast this seems like a bad move it's it's a questionable move it does look to be a questionable move i'm i'm not i mean sell I me on this other with something other than this guy was with joe brady for one year i don't hate it simply for the fact again i i will not say because he was with joe brady but you look at the trend that has hit college football we were talking with justin ferguson about this earlier you see teams going younger you see them trying to get these everybody wants to find sean mcveigh everybody wants to find the hot shot young guy who comes in and just tears it up and this is what it is. They're rolling the dice. They're, they're, they're really gambling on this guy. Will it work? Who knows? You really just have to see. And I don't hate it from a move of if you're going into this season thinking that Coach Ogeron is on the hot seat, that he could be leaving, you got to push all your chips to the table. You have to just kind of Is this go the big. guy you do that with? Isn't there, isn't there other offensive coordinators out there that would want to come to LSU other than this guy? I'm sure there There's were. There's got to be. I'm sure there were. I I just think that they're trying to do something different. Would you okay, would you rather have 
Would you rather have Pete's? Would you rather have Jake Pete's or a guy like, I don't know, Kevin Sumlin come to your program? I'd rather have feel? Kevin Sumlin. Really? The experience. I think I disagree there. Well, we'll end that. We'll end the show on a disagreement, and I like that. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. Maybe not Pete's, but we'll have more Auburn coaching decisions, I'm sure. That's it for online. You know where to find us tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you.